Yeah, so it's just like my lens. I just use your standard 18 mil lens, and then the way I set everything up, um, that's what like when I take it. Like what I'm trying to show there is like the the ribbing on the body. You know what I mean? And then the headshot. Try to show the head, and then the tag. I try to show the tag. You know, so that's why I do multiple shots so you can see different segments of the bug. That was Ryan Taylor describing his Instagram strategy for posting amazing content. We are heading back to the Grand today on the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. Welcome to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show, where you discover tips, tricks, and tools from the leading names in fly fishing today. We'll help you on your fly fishing journey with classic stories covering steelhead fishing, fly tying, and much more. Hey, how's it going, everyone? Thanks for stopping by the Fly Fishing Show today. Ryan Taylor, the salmon fly junkie on Instagram, shares his story and some tips on tying Atlantic salmon flies. We hear some of the uh, best tips for improving your fly tying, what his plans are for long-term um, steelhead fishing, and some influencers um, that are out there that uh, he's connecting with. It'd be great if you had a chance, if you could share this episode with one other person uh, that you think would love it. That would be very, very amazing. So uh, so without further ado, here's Ryan Taylor. How's it going, Ryan? Good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for helping to put this together here this morning. Uh, we're going to talk, uh, dig into some Atlantic salmon fly and, uh, you know, steelhead and some of the stuff you have going on Instagram. You have a, a bunch of killer patterns there. And um, uh, before we jump into that, can you just talk about uh, how you got into uh, fly fishing to start everything off? Yeah, my, my background comes from uh, trout fishing, actually. As a young kid, I used to go camping at a local campground and there was a big river that was well known for fly fishing at the time and I used to see everyone out there so that's kind of what got me started into fly fishing and then from there it progressed I went on a trip back to my wife's hometown in Newfoundland and got addicted to chasing migratory fish and then everything else was like pretty much game over from there just the thrill of of the adventure of getting to the river and then the ATV ride and then the hike to the run it was just so memorable you know nothing can explain what you see yeah and that was atlantic salmon in newfoundland yes it was yeah, yeah. cool is, is that do you still chase the atlantic salmon occasionally or, or more steelhead or what are you what are you doing um well they've changed all the regs out there uh so i do believe that um it's just for locals now but i haven't been back there for two years oh gotcha um so now it's just yeah resident great lake steelhead and brown trout that i chase now here in ontario yeah what's the um did you did you have a chance to get into hook into some fish on atlantic salmon when you're over there oh yeah i rose a whole bunch uh on dry flies like skating bombers and stuff and it's and you know my first time out there it's quite the experience fishing subsurface to surface and remembering when to set the hook you know all the all the boys from East Coast would sit on the bank and laugh at me because they'd say, set the hook. And I'm like, what are you talking about? The fish doesn't have the fly. And he did have the fly, you know, and yep. I didn't know. And I, I, I missed a whole bunch, you know. So <laughs> that's what, you know, I still have yet to get my, land my Atlantic salmon on the East Coast, if that yep. will ever happen one day, hopefully, <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's all top water. You're not allowed to run like sink tips or anything like that. It's all dry line stuff. So it's quite the challenge. Gotcha. Where did you, uh, so where are you at right now? Uh, where do you live now? And where did you, where was that place you started trout fishing? Uh, it was the Grand River, the upper Grand River. So I'm about 40 minutes from Toronto. Um, so I'm 
probably the furthest river is like a two hour drive for me. So, um, yeah, that's, I used to do two, three trips up to the grand river as a kid camping. And that's, that's what got me into trout fishing. And then, yeah, yeah, yeah. The rest was history from there. That's right. Yeah. And I had, uh, let's say, I think Peter Charles was on a, a while back. Uh, he talked about the grand a little bit. And so that's now, that's pretty much your home river, the grand. Yeah. Yeah. I spend like come steelhead season. I'm on there till it closes essentially. Um, and I fish it, fish it pretty exclusively. I just, there's something about the Lake Erie tributary fish, fish that is second to best, you know, like it's, it's, un, it's unbelievable. Those fish that come out of there. Huh. That's, that's sweet. How did the, uh, with the Instagram and all the, t- you got a ton of beautiful Atlantic salmon flies and steelhead flies and things there. How did that, how did that all start? Uh, well, it goes back to going back East Atlantic salmon fishing. I had a family friend come over and show me how to tie, you know, the classic blue charm and the kabossum, I think it's called, um, um, and a bunch of other patterns. And then from there, I kind of just started researching and reading about the history of salmon flies and all the different patterns. And then I really fell in love with like, you know, the built wings and the, and the mixed wings and, uh, progressed from there. Cause like hair wings kind of get monotonous after a while and you kind of like a challenge. So I've, uh, and now like I'm trying to go back even further and make my flies look vintage, like the old plates that you see in the books, you know, I'm trying to replicate that, like make that look in my patterns. That's cool. What, what do you think is the difference between, and, and do you know a little bit of that history of the, you know, how, how far back? I don't know, maybe you could talk a little bit about that, some of the history there, and then what the difference is between the old ones and maybe what you see in more recent history. Yeah, so like the old patterns, from what I can understand in the old salmon patterns, is um, they don't really have thin bodies and head size doesn't really matter. I feel like that's more of like a modern, traditional way of tying salmon flies. Um, because back in the day they were using silk threads. Um, they didn't have all these new technologies. And if you look at the old pallets, the tails were a little bit longer. Uh, the crest on top was a little bit shorter. So I, I don't know like the whole history behind it because it's a lot of reading and there's so many different tires to research on. So I kind of stick to like Price Tyrant and George Kelson. Those are like my two that I kind of read the books on the most. And follow their patterns. Gotcha. What did you learn? What have you learned mostly from those guys? What do you think of the few few big things you've learned from them? Just wing technique, you know. Like uh, Kelson does like a, a weird like individual fiber built of wings. So you take, from what I understand of the book, is you take like one fiber from the feather and you build the wing individually, individual fiber by fiber by fiber you know, in their mix. That's his style of a mixed wing. That's what he, how he does it, the way I interpret it in the book. And then um, uh, Price Tyrant's book is kind of the same way, but I feel like he's just like clumps of different fibers from what I understand. So like all these different guys had different techniques. You know, uh, Blacker, I think, was the other one. He was the same. He would tie left and right, so nothing would marry together in his patterns, you know. So you get way more movement in the water when the fly is swinging, you know. Hmm. That's the thing. Like a, a married wing fly is just like a board in the water. Like there's zero movement to it unless you brush all those fibers out. But they're always going to marry back together, right? 
So if you build a wing that's individual strands, lefts or rights or rights and rights, and they, they'll, they'll marry together, but they'll always be that movement because none of the fibers, each, each individual fiber has like a J on it that holds that feather together, right? So if you manipulate that feather not to stick together, then you'll get more movement. Gotcha. Gotcha. That's right. Have you heard of the, um, this is the, the Northwest Atlantic Salmon Fly Guild. Have you ever heard, have you ever heard of that group? They're out, out in the, out in our neck of the woods down here. Yep. Yep. I have. They, yeah, yeah. There's some beautiful patterns you can find on the internet. Oh, cool. From that actually. Yeah. 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 I've been, I've been Very digging, talented. I've been digging in a little bit to that group. Uh, I've had uh, Joseph Rosano was on. He, he uh, talked about some of the guys, you know, that were involved in that and, I've got uh, Dave uh, McNeese is going to be on soon. He's uh, he's going to be talking about some of the. He's kind of a, you know, I guess let's see. He's writing a book, I guess, on uh, Sid Glasso is is coming up. So I'm, yeah, I'm continuing to dig in. So you're kind of more, I guess, more on the newer side, right? I think you're you're a little bit younger than some of those guys. I mean, what what is it for you that that gets you on on the old stuff? Why not just tie on a little skimp, sparse little wet fly and go with that? I don't know. It's just the the attraction of it, I guess. Um, like I said, the fly catches the fisherman, not the fish. Right. So, um, I'm kind of an old soul, I guess you could say. I like the challenge of tying. I, I do a lot of tying in hand, um, to challenge myself even further. Um, and take, cause if I, if I don't do that, I could tie a, I, if I was to tie a fly in a vice every night, I wouldn't have enough boxes. I already have that problem now. Right. <laughs> so it's, yeah, I, I don't know. There's just something about the classic pattern that just draws me in that I just can't get away from. I've tried to, you know, tie the traditional intruders and all those patterns, but something just get, takes me back to the traditional stuff, you know? Yeah. What What is, what is the, um, so the tying in hand, can you talk a little bit about that? What, I know there's a couple people out there that are doing it. So you mainly do it because it's just a little bit bigger challenge. Yeah. And I, yeah, I do it because it's a bigger challenge. Um, it's like two, three sittings to tie one fly instead of like one sitting, you know what I mean? For a fishing fly, I tie a little bit then I take a break and pick it up the next day. I don't, I don't try to do it all in one day. And how I got into that is because whiskey gin or gin, um, he fished local rivers by me, um, seen him at a local fly shop tying. And that's what really attracted me to that technique of tying. So he's kind of been like a big influence for local guy here around me. Oh, nice. Nice. This is, a, uh, it was whiskey Jim. Is this a guy that's on, um, can you find him out there anywhere? Yeah, that's his Instagram handle is whiskey gin. Um, he ties some beautiful stuff all in hand. He's talented, talented tire for sure. Nice. Nice. What's, um, I, I guess I had one question here. This is from Mark, uh, uh, Usyk from, uh, in the Facebook group. He was talking about, um, I guess when you first tied and how um, he was talking a little bit about some more of the history and, and, and that sort of thing. But, I mean, do you have any other resources, any place, you know, if, if somebody wanted to learn more? You mentioned a few people there. Are there any other – is there a ton of history out there? If somebody wanted to dig in and go deep on Atlantic salmon fly tying, where would they go? Uh, classic Classicflytying.net is a really good form to get on. There's a lot of really good tires on there. Um, and, again, there's forms. You can post a question. You can join, post a question, and then – You'll get like tons of feedback from amazing tires if you if you have questions about it, and even like reaching out to the fly tying community through Instagram. Everyone's really humble and likes to help everybody. 
So, you know, there's, there was a few times when I first started tying, I would reach out to somebody and ask them a question and they responded back and then it's just your turn to practice and learn the fibers, right? That's what it comes down to with these patterns is you really have to know the feathers and what you're working with. Hmm. Can you describe a typical, um, you know, maybe a, is there a standard type when you look at tying these flies that, uh, you know, they all have this in common or this style. I mean, how, what would you say to that question? Yeah, I would say they all have the, the main common thing would be like tail tag, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, but they all seem to have a tail, a tag, a butt in Atlantic salmon patterns, um, depending on what it is, you know? Um, and then they all have a throat hackle, you know, it's, it's pretty irrelevant to every, salmon fly essentially right i i feel like all the patterns are based off of traditional wet flies just souped up you know yeah if you look at it, you know like you did the podcast there with john shuey about uh the history of the steelhead fly which was an awesome one and he he went into great detail about that that's a good one to listen to if everyone wanted to learn the history behind it yeah, that's right. That's right. Shoe. Yeah, that was that was way that was quite a ways back. He was. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think exactly what he dug into, but that's right. He 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 touched a little, and I and I'm just looking now at some of your on your Instagram feed, and, and you know that's what sticks out is a lot of the flies are, you know, they're yeah, like you said, they're they're not super heavily dressed. They they look like kind of like well, some of them are head more heavily, but a lot of them look like they're a mix between steelhead and Atlantic salmon, kind of sparse with, you know, like this one I'm looking on. Um, February 13th, um, uh, talking about D flies, I'm not sure which fly the pattern this is, but, um, it's got like a, you know, it's got a pink and orange body with a little orange tail, a tag. Um, yeah, I mean, they're pretty basic, right? They're, I mean, what would you say, are there any patterns that, I mean, what would you do for a, a pattern if you had to go out tomorrow for steelhead? What are you throwing on there? It depends on water clarity, water height, um, when the water's clear, I tend to fish more spay flies, purples, blacks, uh, greens, um, natural colors, you know what I mean? Um, yep. And then if the water's dirty, something with a little more bulk, right? So I, I tend to tie my flies sparse because, you know, we do a lot of winter fishing here in Ontario, and I feel a sparse fly is easier to get down on the water column faster. Gotcha. Gotcha. That makes that makes sense. Okay. Uh and what I'm just just kind of looking at some of your feed here. This is cool. There's a, there's a ton of a ton of cool flies. I was noticing you had um, on a different line. You had the Douglas Outdoors in your Instagram, uh, kind of as, as a main link. Are they? Are you affiliate? Yeah. I'm trying to think of what is your affiliation with with those guys. Uh, yeah, I'm affiliated with those guys on their pro staff team. That's awesome. Yeah, I just um, interviewed. I don't think it's out yet, but I interviewed Morton. And we talked about, uh, yeah, we talked about the company and pike fishing. It was it was a pretty good episode. Yeah, their hooks are super sticky, sharp. They're pretty cool. And because uh, I tie a lot of, I, I get enjoyment out of tying a lot of classic hair wing patterns for steelhead. And the HR hooks are pretty much equivalent, I feel, to like the Partridge N or Partridge M or the 799 uh, TMC that same hook bend. So they look really, really good when you tie a beautiful hair wing on them. That's cool. That's That's great. You just answered. I was trying to, we were talking a little bit about, um, some of the other bigger stuff. I guess they're maybe more known for 
some of their big, uh, you know, predator stuff. But yeah, that, so that is the hook that answers the question. What's the best hook for if you wanted a good steelhead hook from, from those guys, that, that would be it. Yeah. And, and their trailer hooks are like, oh, their trailer hooks are unbelievable. They have two different ones. One that's got like, if you have more material on a fly, um, the shank of the hook is actually longer, a bit longer. So you can kind of like have the hook sit back. It's a, it's a weird hook. I've, I've never seen anything like it, but it's, it's really cool. And then, um, the spears on the hook are all a little bit longer. They're barbless on the, some of the trailer hooks. So you, I feel like when you have a longer spear on a hook, your chances of losing a fish are less. And that's the problem when people do barbless hooks is that the spear is too short. So you have a lot of loss, right? So that's very important. That's one thing I look for when I'm looking at hooks is spear length. And the spear is, it, now describe that, is that just the length of from the point back to the to the bend? Correct, yeah, yeah. Gotcha, so you're saying the hooks, and I'm looking at one now on your feed from May 25th. It's, um, I'm not, again, I'm not exactly sure of the pattern, but it's, um, it looks like, uh, what do you know what hook, I mean, what are your typical, the last few months, are those all tied with a longer spear uh, style hook? Those are all, uh, up to just recently, all those are like um, Alec Jackson hooks, most of them, and Blue Heron is what I've been been tying most of the stuff on up to now. Okay. Um, there's a few on on there's a few hair wings on there that are tied on some HR style hooks, but not very many. They're hard to get up here in Ontario. Mm. You know, not a lot of people selling them. So. I see. I see. What and are you now? Are you selling flies? Maybe you can talk a little bit about that. What what your what you do there? And maybe what are some of the common um, patterns that get requested? I do I do sell flies. Not very many because it's like just custom orders. Somebody will contact me and want some. But most of the time, it's like uh, the spay flies is what s- tends to to sell the most of. Right? Um, they're just quick. They're they're they catch fish. You know what I mean? Like I can, I can put a spay fly on and I can, I can guarantee you that you're going to get a fish on a spay fly. You know, there's just something about them. They're just extremely fishy. A spay or a D, those are my like two go-tos. And remind us again, the difference between a spay and, and a D fly. I'm trying to think who I asked that last time. I, oh, I, maybe it was Joseph Rosado. Some, one of the, I asked of that, it was the same thing. They're like, well, it's, it's not, yeah, it's not a super easy one day answer. Yeah, it's not. Cause there's like so many in the time community, there's so many rules and you know what I mean? Mm. Like, uh, sure. it's a tough one. Like, I, I don't know, a D fly, a D fly to me, in my opinion, like in my mind has two split wing wings. Right. Oh, right. But then sometimes, it, but sometimes I feel a D fly could have like a hurl wing. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's just so much. It's hard to say like technically a spay fly also is not a spay fly unless it's from That's that right. area river spay right um, um um so if you really want to get technical so that's a really hard question to answer <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah no that's no no worries i think that that is the that's why i probably always ask it because i never i've always a little bit uh, confused on it but um okay uh so we'll, let's talk a little bit more you know on on the flight tying so you know if you had a pattern looking at all these patterns could you maybe pick one off of your something you've posted um on your feed on Instagram that you can describe a little bit. Uh, let me just pull it up here. Yeah. Here. I'm curious. And I'm looking at, or maybe I can just talk, I can just grab one that points out to me and I'm 
I'm seeing some. Yeah, you have some that are some intruder styles mixed in there, and then you've got some, um, you know, a mix of stuff. I guess. I kinda, yeah. I I kind of have like a mix up, right? So what I tend to do is I, I I'm, I'm some days I'm really really busy with work, so if I want to like if I have limited time to go out fish. I have like my dirty box, I call it. So it's like, you know, your traditional marabou spays, a few AI intruders. Um, and that's my box. If I go, I know I'm going to get a fish 100%. If the water flows bang on, you know what I mean? Temperature's good, all that stuff. I'm going to get a fish with those flies. I know 100%. Mm. Then when I have more time, I spend more time on the river, I can play around and fish all the spays and the D's and the mixed wing stuff and really enjoy it, right? But to sometimes, sometimes it's limited on what you have. Gotcha. So, so, gotcha. so like one of my most recent ones is uh, the yellow throat on it. It's one that I'm doing for like a donation there, and that's the the Helmsdale. So it's just like a crest, golden crest tail, tippet on the back tinsel um tag orange butt and then a tinsel body yellow throat and then hurl and then i just took left and right fibers of colors and mixed alternated them so they don't marry together and then i did a wool head on it and that's pretty much like it's super sparse good spring pattern pattern you know for a bright day i feel if you want to fish something on a bright bright day Gotcha. And, and this is, and again, we're, we're talking mostly when we're thinking here, we're, the Grand River is, is, is usually your focus on a lot of these flies. Yeah. Yeah. The Grand River, um, there's certain colors that work, re- work really, really well and well in that river. Um, so I tend to fish more of like the oranges and natural colors I find work the best in there. Yeah. For me anyway, you know, cause it, it's never, that river's never really flowing gin clear. There's always a little bit of a murky water to it. Can you take us to the uh, the Grand a, a little bit, maybe? And I can't remember exactly what Peter Charles, uh, you know, exactly what he dug into on that episode. But you know, start right now. It's it's uh, we're almost into August now, and just talk about you know steelhead fishing when you're getting ready and, and the seasons on on that river. So pretty much, I'll start going out and trying my luck the end of September on the Grand River for steelhead. Um, and then it really gets good in October, November. That seems to be like the ticket number anywhere in Ontario, I find, for fishing. But that's when I really hit it hard, get out as much as I can. Um, and again, it depend. It all comes down to like how much rain we get, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, how cold the water gets. You know, we've had a pretty hot summer, so who knows what yeah. this season's going to be. Um yeah. And then I, I start all the way up. Like there's different stretches to start at, right? The lower part kept through Caledonia and all those areas. And then you come up into Paris and there's a bunch of river access up there that you could try. It's a great trip. Like, you know, I've heard stories. I have yet to try it. I have a goal next year and that's to get a steelhead on a dry fly. And supposedly guys can get them on dries on the grand. So I'm really going to dedicate some time to trying to skate for some steelhead. That's always been a a dream. Nice. That's a good, yeah, that's a good goal for sure. So basically it's October, November is pretty, and then the winter sets in there pretty soon and there's not a lot of like later winter fishing going on. Yeah, no, it it pretty much closes the end of December, that river. So then you're, 
yeah, you got to fish some other, uh, other, the sog, uh, not the sogging, but, um, the credit river near me, you know, is kind of open all year in certain stretches. Um, I do go down to the States and fish like the, the DSR, the salmon river, yeah. um, in the winter. I do a trip, two trips I did last year down there. That's a great, great tributary, big fish. Um, so yeah, kind of, you got to travel a bit, right? Right. Right. Exactly. So you, yeah. And, and, and it, just to finish, you know, on that, on the grand, just wrapping that up, um, that thought there. So if you're, so in November, maybe we just uh, jump into a few little tips and tricks on, you know, October, November. So you're fishing there, you have, you know, any one you probably grab any one of your flies, depending on the condition or, you know, changing it up, but any tips you want to throw out there for somebody if they're hitting it for steelhead? Yeah, make sure you go out with a nice big rod because it gets pretty windy. <laughs> oh, really? How big? Uh, I fish like a 14-footer, I find works the best because there's some days when the wind really picks up and gusts. <clears throat> Excuse me. And it, it gets really, really hard to, to make some casts if you have like a, a 12-foot rod, I find. you can. You, you, it's a really frustrating river to fish because there's pocket water everywhere, um, so you can't really get frustrated. And uh, it gets big gusts of wind that time of year, right? So you need a little bit bigger. I, I find that you need a bigger rod with a little bit heavier head on it um, to, to get your cast out there to the runs. Gotcha. Gotcha. And what are you using? So what weight and, and what line are you using there? So I tend that river, I tend to fish um, a rage and I fish a 570 rage. So I go anywhere from a 510 to a 570 rage on a eight weight. And then if it's like kind of a non-windy day, I, I tend to fish more of like a longer line, like a bridge fly line um, or your classic like Stoby um, long belly or mm -hmm. not a long belly, but a belly line. If I want to have some fun and fish smaller stuff, smaller flies, you know. Um, so again, like it just depends on conditions on what's happening if you got to throw heavy sink tips because the temperature's colder you know because the water changes its density so you got to throw a little bit heavier of sink tip on then you know you you step up again to like a 570 rage um to help you get your fly down right gotcha so you're using the yeah so you're throwing on a, a sink tip on the rage uh and then yeah that's right and i i I recently was chatting with um, Bruce Kruk. You know, he's kind of up there, more of a clear water guy and some of that stuff. And he's, you know, they're using uh, some, you know, longer stuff up to like, you know, 15, 16 foot, some of the longer belly stuff. But I guess for you guys, uh, that's not really something you see that often up there because it is a pretty big river, right? It is. Yeah. The Grand River is huge. Like you can, I've seen guys fishing like 80 foot long belly lines out there before you know what i mean yeah you can totally do it you can totally do it on that water because you have the capability um my perfect head length that i like to fish is 55 feet that's what i love to cast all day long mm -hmm. and then a poly leader on top of that you know 10 10 12 foot poly leader and then your tippet you know you're throwing what what's that 65 70 feet call it you know uh -huh. that's perfect yep yeah exactly anything longer Anything longer than that, I feel like you could potentially lose hookups, right? So, right, right, right. Nice. Well, what's what's your plan for? You know, you've got all this stuff on Instagram going. These these flies are tying, but you've got kind of the um, the the day job. What, what's your plan for the feed, and what can we expect from you coming out here in the next you know uh, few years, five years or so? 
uh, I plan on doing some trips. I, I hope that I can go out to the West Coast there to that big fly tying convention that they have out there with everyone that goes. Oh to yeah, that. I can't remember. Yeah, the Albany, uh, the fly tying uh, show, and in, in, uh, is that the one in Albany? Albany, right? Albany, Oregon. Yeah, 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 yeah. I really want to go to that one one year. Um, I was supposed to go to the Spain Nation one this year, but that obviously due, due to what's going on in the world, that one got canceled. So hopefully next year. I plan on doing a little more shows um, in the next five years, traveling a bit more, fishing a bit more. Um, yeah, I'm just going to keep tying flies and progressing as a tire. You know, you're always learning. Everything is always getting better because the more you, the more time you spend at the vice, the better looking your stuff gets, right? So, yeah. Definitely, definitely. That's cool. What, what? Um, maybe we could just keep back on that grand thing, just to wrap up the the two twenty two here on uh, tips. Um, you know, uh, uh, kind of resources and things like that. What was your? So you threw out one there. What, what would be a second? So let's, let's give one for uh, if things are clear versus kind of maybe higher with more color. What, what are the two patterns you're going for over on the grand? Uh, Marabou space, hobo space, something you know with big profiles. If it's like murky. Like that water is never really clear. Like you'll get like a foot of visibility, I find, in the wintertime, right? Yep. So, yeah, anything kind of marabou spay with tons of movement in it. Um, purples, oranges uh, tend to work really well for us. That's our kind of – you see me, I'm going to have an orange fly on. <laughs> yeah. I'm giving it away, but – You like orange. Um, yeah. Yeah, I like orange in that river. You know, I don't know what it is. It's just the ticket item. Have you ever heard of the uh, the Max Canyon? Yep. Yep. Oh, oh cool, cool. That's a, I, I occasionally like to throw. Out, that's a fly that my dad created like back in the seventies, uh, a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. You know, you just have one of those patterns that you throw it on and you just fish. That's what it all comes down to: confidence in the fly. Yep. Uh, that's it. Um, yeah, you can throw anything on. But if you don't have confidence, like it dep- it's hard to explain because I fish stuff that I have confidence in way different than the way I fish stuff that I don't have confidence in, you know, because you're like, ah, this isn't you, you second guess yourself when you don't have confidence in it. Yeah. But then when you have confidence in it, it's like, oh, yeah, this is going to get me a fish. So every cast you make, you're like, oh, this one is going to get a grab, you know. So, yeah, orange on that river, I'll always put on. That's my first fly that I go through the run with is an orange. And then from there, I'll adjust to a purple. You know yep. what I mean? Yeah. And then just keep changing it. And if those two colors don't work, then, I, again, you know, you just keep trying and trying and trying until you get something, you know, muddler patterns or emerald shiner patterns or, you know, it's just a mystery. The, the river's full of treasures and treats, so you don't <laughs> know what you're going to get. You could get a channel cat. You could get a – No kidding a walleye yeah you can get anything it's a real mixed bag you know so okay so and you had the uh, on the tips thing so you had um the one uh, big rod so any other another tip you want to throw out there uh just go on the internet and check flows of the river mm-hmm. what's a good flow if you're in there in october november what, what's the perfect flow for that river i like 55 50 to 55 is what i like to that's fish. uh that's cubic feet per second yeah, correct. Yep. Yep. So that's, yeah, I like to fish. I like to fish that flow. It's a safe one. Anything, anything over that is kind of dangerous. Yeah, I feel, in my opinion, that river gets ripping. You know, it's pretty wide, so anything over that is kind of dangerous. I feel. 
Gotcha. Is there a is there a dam uh, upstream? Uh, in Caledonia, there is a dam. Yeah. Yeah. So they can and control. And then there's another. Yeah, yeah. There's not. I don't know if they they don't really control in Caledonia the water flow. Um, there, I think the furthest dam that they control from is the Upper Grand, if I'm correct. But again, I'm I, I don't really follow the the dam systems, so gotcha. Couldn't really a definite answer on that. What's your um, on? I guess just to wrap that thing up there on the resources. You, you talked about a couple. Any other resources um, other than what you've mentioned before that'd be good to? I guess we've kind of changed this. We're talking more. We we started with Atlantic Sandflies, and now we're just focusing on Steelhead. But you know, if you had to say, I guess since we are talking about Steelhead, any other resources you you throw out there? No, not really, because it just at the end of the day, it's just water, um, the flow of the river, and the discharge is what's coming out I yeah. find and that's my main focus that I watch when yeah. I'm going fishing is charge <clears throat> isn't it hard on so. that river because it's so big right it, that river to, to actually you're sit if you're new if you're just to walk up there today with your 14 foot rod and your rage and just look out would it be hard to know where to start fishing yes and that's the big problem that everyone tends to have when they show up to that river is because there's pocket water everywhere you'll be walking and you'll be knee deep and then next thing you know you'll be to your waist Depending on water flow, <clears throat> sometimes you don't really have to walk out that too far in some of the runs, right? When you get a heavy when you get a heavy flow, you can fish tight to the bank because those fish won't sit out in the middle of the river, right? They'll push to the to the shore. Yep. So always start in close, you know, start close to the bank, and then if you're comfortable, you can keep stepping out. So what I do is I like fish a run, and I fish tight to the bank, and then I'll get out, and then I'll walk back up to the head of the run. And then I'll start casting again and I'll, I'll kind of work like a grid system until it gets kind of like uncomfortable for me to like walk in, you know, and I'll be like, okay, this is my limit of where I can walk out to. And I'll just fish that systematically throughout the run. And then I'll do the same. So I'll fish it the same pattern all the way through and then I'll come out, I'll sit on the bank, have a drink of coffee or whatever, change my fly and then do the exact same thing again after I rest the run. That's a, uh, yeah, I mean, that's a great uh, tip on breaking it down. I, uh, just thinking about, you know, cause you hear different things depending on the river, obviously. And again, I mentioned the clear water, you know, Bruce Cruck was talking about how the runs are so bad there. I mean, they literally have closed the river down, you know, uh, the last few years for steelhead. It, it's so bad, but he mentioned that, you know, when the river is, when the runs are low at spotty, you definitely don't want to be covering just one run. You know, you want to spread out and cover, um, you know, more, uh, more of a run. Is that what you find? I mean, it sounds like you're really niche, you know, these little areas, so you're kind of hammering down on it, but are you, is there a time when you'd want to spread out and just cover a lot more water? Yeah. Yeah. When I know when I'm unsure of where the fish are holding, then I'll, I'll cover water faster. Right. So if I'm doing that, I'll fish like a large pattern and then I'll step down to a small pattern, fish the run twice and then jump in the truck and go to the next run until I find those pods of fish, right? And then once you kind of know where the fish are, then you can fish that run more methodically. Perfect. What do you see, you know, different, I mean, obviously the, you're online, so you're seeing a lot of different, you know, West Coast versus Great Lakes. It seems like you're in a spot where, which is good for swinging. I mean, are there a number of rivers up there that, you know, maybe you don't hear about that are also good for swinging? Because it seems like the, a lot of the Midwest stuff is a little bit different game. What's the take? Is it just smaller rivers mainly? 
Yeah, the Grand River, I would have to say on this side, is probably the biggest one. And then you got like the Saugeen and the Maitland, um, which are a little bit smaller than the Grand. Again, they're really good. It's really good water, too, to fish for steelhead. And um, we're 40 minutes, like I said, we're 40 minutes to two hours of any real good fishing. You know what I mean? As good as it's going to get for, for migratory fish here. Yeah. Um, browns, too. You know, like I got a local river here if I don't have time to go out and fish. It's just like a little mud mud slit, but it holds nice migratory browns in it, you know? So I take a little switch rod out and go for migratory browns. So you got like a real mix, you know, steelhead browns, or you get both in the river at the same time. So again, you don't know what you're going to get when you're swinging, you know, you could get a brown or you can get a steelhead. Yeah. So it just depends time of year, um, November, if it's cold, you know, so it's kind of nice that I have the option that I can kind of travel and go to different rivers if I want. The Saugeen is another great river to fish. If anyone ever wants to fish that river, there's lots of guide outfits that run out there too. It's pretty popular. What's the um, what's the local fly shop or what's your shop close, closest by? Oh, closest shop to me is probably Drift Outfitters in Toronto. But in saying that, I... I tend to order a lot of my material from the West Coast. Oh, really? From BC. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know. I just feel like the material selection is much larger for me and in, in the style that I tie. So I have, a, I have a local shop out there that I've become friends with the manager. And uh, I just put together a massive order and they just ship it out to me. There you go. There you go. Yeah, it's... Uh... I mean, that would make sense too, because it's, you know, it, when you get out on the river, other than the grand, you know, guys steelhead fishing, what percentage of people are, are swinging flies versus uh, other types of fly fishing or just conventional gear? Yeah, uh, there's, there's, there's a pretty good number of double hand guys. And then there's a pretty good number of guys that are indicator fishing for steelhead, but you know, you don't really see the grand, you don't see a lot of indicator fishers, guys, like guys out there fishing indicator rigs because the river's so big yeah uh, you get more spay guys on that water so there's a real mix of what you do you know what i mean some other rivers you go to there's like the old school single hand swinging flies which is kind of cool to see you know so you get a real mix of stuff it's hard to get stuff i find like good premium grade material that's my big that's what makes a, a nice fly right is the material mm-hmm. You know, you go to a store and you buy material that's like, I call it like a C-grade. You're going to get a C-grade fly, right? Do you do any, um, uh, like, material dyeing at all? Is that something people are are still doing out there? There's a few guys that still do it, yes. I had a dye kit given to me. Um, I was going to experiment in in dyeing. It's kind of my next process here over the winter to kind of play around with. Oh, cool. So we'll see how that goes because it is kind of cool. You can mix your own what would be your question? I mentioned earlier Dave McNeese, who's kind of known for his material dyeing. Um, he had a, oh, well, he's out at that fly tying, you know, thing. He's been out down here for quite a while. But what would a, would there be a question you'd have that, you know, for some, for him or somebody about dyeing? Can you burn the material? <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you yeah. dye it and then, you know, I've gotten some feathers before that were dyed. And then you go to wrap it and the stem breaks. So to oh, me, that's, wow. like, that's like the material is burnt, right? To oh, me. Yeah. So how do you stop that? And I just read his article, actually. He just did an article. I think it's 
Yeah, he, he just did an article on dying feathers and I read the whole thing and it seems a little overwhelming at first, but like as does anything, right? When you first start doing it, you're overwhelmed by it, you know? And then the more you do it, the easier it gets, right? Yeah. So Yeah. And then you that's and then you get it dialed in and you, yeah, you keep doing it and doing it, and then you just you got it dialed in and it's like a you know, not a perfect science, but yeah, it gets pretty nice when it gets to that point. Yeah. And again, you know, you're going to waste material. Like when I first started tying salmon flies, I wasted tons of material. Like I, I could, I should have just thrown it in the garbage because like my first flies were hideous, you know, when I started. So yeah, that learning curve with anything. Right? How do you feel like your fly tying is now compared to that time when you were throwing them in, in the, in the bucket? I mean, were, were they, you know, do you feel like you're at a very high level or you still have a lot to learn? Oh, I still have a lot to learn. I've only been, I think this is like my sixth year coming into tying these patterns, I feel, I think. Uh-huh. And uh, I still have a lot to learn. You never stop learning. Yeah. What's the difference between when you see some of these people, and I'm not even sure who would be the best, you know, who is the best? Is there a person that's, uh, you know, if we go back to the Atlantic salmon fly tying right now that's out there that's kind of known as one of the best? Uh, I, I, I wouldn't really put a number one on anybody because everybody has their own style. That's what it comes down to. to me. Fly tying is like artwork, right? You either really, really like somebody's style or you don't really like somebody's style. So I kind of tell people when they start tying that, you know, a lot of people will look towards a tire and kind of try to imitate that tire's style but they won't work for you because it's not your style. So you really have to find your own style say like so-and-so is the best because somebody might disagree with you and it's not like that style right That's right so you kind of just have i find you have to be like open-minded to everybody's style i mean they're all going to catch fish at the end of the day right that's what that's the judge <laughs> and, and, and even that is uh you know what i mean you're on the river on yourself and nobody really knows how how well you know how many fish you're catching because it's kind of up to your own thing it's interesting because you know, I had uh, uh, Zach Williams on, you know, he's the editor from Swing the Fly magazine. And uh, he was, you know, with the spay casting, you can measure it. You know what I mean? And he did mention that, uh, I can't remember the name of the guy, but there is a guy out of uh, uh, Europe who is known, you know, he's the, he has the record, right? He's known as the best at Spayorama. Anyways, there's this one uh, guy and he's just, uh, you know, pretty much he's cast, you know, he's got uh, whatever it is, 740 feet for four casts. You know, that's his... That's the world, you know, at Speedorama. It, it's not Mackenzie, is it? Uh, no, no. She's, uh, oh. you, yeah, right. She's got the, the women's, right? I think. Okay, or, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I, I wish I had it here. I, I should know it. It's, uh, but, um, yeah, but he said, well, and the other Travis Johnson has the single cast. I think he's, he's almost 200 feet on one cast. That's crazy. It's super cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that's the whole thing. So with that, it's really easy to just be like, okay, there's the longest caster. But with fly tying, there's just no way, right? And that's the cool thing is that there is no way to just say, you know, you're the best. It's everybody's got their own thing. Yeah, everyone's got their own thing. You know, like when I look at a fly, the first thing I look at is the head. You know what I mean? That's oh, right. What I just look to at. know to know if they if they're good or not. You can tell if it's clean, that sort of thing. Yeah, thread control is key, right? When you're tying these flies. What is that thing when you make the? Um, you know, obviously some people love a nice little tiny neat head that looks great. What's what's the secret on, on a neat small little head? I don't get my neck like I don't really focus on a tiny tiny head because to get a tiny head 
it's the way you tie it to get it that way. So the way you, you use your materials, you tie your underwing and then you tie your throat and then you tie your wing. I just look for like a super neat head. Um, size doesn't really matter because if you look at the old pallets, they weren't focused on size. So to, what I find works best for me is volume up or volume down, I call it, spinning the bobbin. And lots of good wax and wax your thread. And then really focus on, like when I first started tying, I bought myself a set of those magnifying glasses that you wear on your head, you know what I mean? Yep. And I would literally watch every thread wrap and I would make sure that I stacked every thread wrap so they were touching on my head to learn my thread control on my patterns. So rewind from the head. So where I really practice on, on getting that dialed in was doing the body. And again, with the magnifying glass, doing my thread wrap. So everything was touching one another. And the only reason why I say magnifying glass is because when you put that thing on, you can really see close to the flyer and it teaches you really good thread control. Cause if you spin your bobbin, the thread, depending on what you're going to use, it's going to go, thin or it's going to go flat. So it depends on what you like to use. Like I don't like using, um, too much GSP thread, you know, the gel spun stuff. I'm not a fan of that thread. I'm like old school. I just like uni. It works for me. I wax it. It works great. Right. So that one, you don't really have a whole lot of thread control like gel spun. So that's my main thing that when somebody's asking me for advice on tying, that's what I say. You got to practice thread control. That's my main focus. And then learn, I always tell people, you got to learn the materials. You got to play with the feathers because every feather is different. Every stem is different. Every bird's different. So you really got to take your time and learn everything. Start with thread and then work your way from there. Perfect. Perfect. And what's your, uh, what vice do you uh, use? Uh, I use a peak. Yeah. Peak vice. I'm, I'm in the market for a new one. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's, you know. Yeah. I don't really use I don't really use the vice a whole lot. Oh, that's you know? right. If yeah, you're, tie- you're not. If you looked at a, a fly you tied in the vice versus a fly you tied in hand, would uh, would it be easy to tell the difference? Same fly. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can tell the difference. Yeah. A, a vice is a little bit neater, and then a fly in hand. You know, the head's a little bit bigger. Um, it's a little buggier looking, but I like the look of the in hand flies because it's what a fly is supposed to look like. Just super ratty and fishy, you know, I feel like in the fly tying community, we've made these flies meant to be these beautiful pieces of artwork. But if you go back in history, they were just meant for one thing and one thing only. And that's just to catch fish, right? That's my opinion. Anyway, that's right. Yeah. The, the Instagram world, you know, what you are in, I mean, that's your, you know, people, you know, I connected to you because of Instagram, right? That's the power of, and probably if you, if you had a bunch of ratty looking flies with not great, um, photos we probably wouldn't be having this conversation but you know what i mean so it it does make a difference there but yeah for fishing it doesn't yeah and you know like i I have a few modern books on on untying salmon flies and like there's a big difference between traditional flies and modern flies the tying techniques in my opinion are way way different because the modern stuff thin bodies small heads you know what i mean they don't ever really talk about thin bodies in the old books, (laughs) you know? So there's, I always tell people like kind of when you're learning how to tie, don't really focus on the the modern day of tying, just focus on getting your own style and, and don't worry about tiny heads and thin bodies. 
Yep. That's, that's good. I'm um, just kind of, again, back to your, I got back to your feet. Now I did find, oh, there you go. Yeah, you got it on here. So you got the, um, I don't know where I am. I'm at uh, May 3rd, 2019. The, the, you had a, like a purple body with an orange uh, head that got my, it looks like an egg sucking leech a little bit, right? With some peacock. Yep. Peacock on the, what, what is that pattern? Is that steelhead snowfly? Um, yeah, yeah, that's the, the snowfly. But that that was tied in hand, so I put like oh, the cool. dubbing. I, I made it, I made like a dubbing loop in hand, which was really really hard. I see that. I see, that's cool. Gotcha. And, th- and then the next one below it on May first is a really natural, uh, buggy looking, you know, green and brown. That's the uh, classic. Uh, I'm not sure if that one has a name or not. Uh, the, the classic spay. It's I have it. Yeah, classic spay. Yeah, that's the a Lady Caroline variant. Oh, yeah. that is okay. Yeah, Lady Caroline. Then you keep going down. Then you get into the. Is that the purple? No, that's the Silver Doctor. Silver Doctor, and then that's the the one. The other one below that is a Max Canyon variant that I did in a in a, in a feather wing, like in a full belt wing. Exactly, which is cool. It's cool to see that, and that's again the Max, and you tied it really nice. That's that's how it's kind of low water style. That's exactly how the original, at least on the body and stuff. And yeah, you added a really cool wing with the married, the orange. I mean, that's, I've seen a ton of Max Canyons and that is a cool, uh, a cool variant. Yeah. That one was tied in hand too. Oh, wow. No kidding. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. There's a, there's a pattern that, um, I love using. It's, it's basically, it's a variant of the Max Canyon. It's just called a Stuart. And, um, okay. Yeah. It's basically just a black, it's there's no orange on the body. It's a black body. It's basically just a black fly. It was a little bit of orange in the wing, a little bit of like used calf tail, you know, a little bit of orange calf tail in the wing with a golden pheasant tippet um, for the tail. R- really basic, really, you know what I mean? So that's, but orange is the key. That's cool. Yeah, you got tons of, it's fun looking through this because you got a bunch of, everyone I look at, I'm like, well, I'd fish that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this. There's there's a bunch in there, you know. The one below that one is uh, the purple prism variant. Uh-huh. John Shuey from one of John Shuey's there with the gold gold body. That's like my go-to fly, one of my go-to patterns that I fish a lot of, right? Oh yeah. Depending on what river I'm on, you'll see that fly on my rod a lot, you know. That's cool. They're super fun to tie. I like taking, I like taking traditional steelhead flies, like the Max Canyon, for instance, and and try to do like a built wing variant of it, right? Something different. It's fun. What's the um, what's the dupa fish? I see that hashtag. I think your hat you you have on that too. What, what's the, what's the dupa fish thing? I got their media company from the states there, and and I, I was published in um, Swing the Fly magazine for like my artwork, and then I got hooked up with dupa fish because they were gonna they bought some artwork off me, and they were gonna do some stuff with some of my artwork that I did because I I paint like aquatic insects and and stuff, so it's like. Yeah, it's like street art style, you know, super bright, colorful stuff. So it's really fun. So that's how I got hooked up with those guys. And we met in the States there in New York. And we fished together. Super cool. Bunch of dudes. Cool. Cool. Yeah. And do you put, oh, yeah, I see it now. Yeah. You got some early on. You did that early on your your Instagram feed, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's a little bit, there's a little bit of artwork on there of what yeah. I've done. I'm, I'm like an artsy kind of guy, you know, comes with my job, I think. Right. Right. That's, that's cool. Well, I guess uh, so. In the next, uh, you know, six months or so, anything uh, new uh, coming out for you? Anything we can keep an eye on? If we keep an eye on your feed, are we going to see more of the the same? Some of these flies, anything uh, 
you know, it sounds like you got some trips. Maybe you're going to be heading down, down south. Hope that if the borders open up, you know, and everything goes well, do some fishing trips down in New York State there. Start tying more salmon flies because season's going to be starting pretty soon. So I'll be at the vice pretty heavy. How many, when you're, when you're at the vice, if you're just tying, trying to get it, pump out a bunch of flies, do you ever sit down and just do that, tie, tie a ton of flies? Or are you more focusing on just a few patterns? Depends on what I'm tying, right? Like if I'm tying my, I call them my fish catching flies, <clears throat> then yeah, I'll, I'll pound out like two or three. But this classic stuff. Yeah. Oh, geez. One sitting, I might get half a fly done. And I take my time, right? That's why, like, if you notice my shots that I take on Instagram, I try to focus on key points that people look at, right? Yeah, I like this one. I'm looking at one of the classic uh, on uh, July. I think this was July 13th, but it's got, yeah, a yellow wing, silver body, tons of color in it. But, yeah, you got it zoomed. You got it really focused on just the little part of the um, the collar. Well, not even everything's out of focus. Yeah, it's cool how you shot that. How did you do that one? Do you know which one I'm talking about? I'm looking at it on my phone, so I don't really have the dates. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, um, you know, they, yeah. So it's, it's a, um, yeah, it's got a tinsel body. It looks like with a really bright yellow wing, a little bit of a red um, uh, head, and then you got. Okay, that's the fall favorite. Does it say fall favorite? Oh, that is the fall favorite. Um, you know what? It doesn't. It says um, no. It doesn't. It says classic sand fly variant with a steelhead fly twist, donation uh-huh. fly. These will be going up for a couple days at. Um, sculpt. Anyways, yeah, yeah. So, but it, anyways, it's cool how you did it because it's you got it blurred. You know, like the front of the fly, the head is blurred, the back of the fly is blurred, and you're zoomed right in on just the the middle, which is kind of cool. Yeah, like you said, it kind of focuses it right on that wing. Yeah, so it's just like my lens. I just use your standard 18 mil lens, and then the way I set everything up. But, um, that's what, like, when I take it, like, what I'm trying to show there is, like, the, the ribbing on the body, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then the head shot, I try to show the head. And then the tag, I try to show the tag, you know. So that's why I do multiple shots so you can see different segments of the bug. Oh, right. You know, so. Yeah. Uh, it's fine. That's a, that's a cool shot. Well, I'll put links uh, out to your stuff here and some of these patterns. I'll throw some photos in the in the blog post and um yeah we'll, we'll keep in touch i guess uh just uh on instagram at salmon junkie if folks want to connect with you and um, yeah for sure have going. yeah and i i do really cool stuff too like if somebody wants to like sit down and spend a session and tie a fly like i do zoom or, or skype video chats so we can like chill out and tie a oh, bug together you know yeah i like doing that with people i do it with a bunch of people it's fun tying parties you know oh right on and is that where you're tying? Are there a number of people on on the Zoom call tying together? Uh, sometimes there is, and then other times it's just like one on one, and we just talk fishing and tying techniques and kind of help the people like step through like an easy pattern. You know what I mean? If you're new to tying salmon flies and you have a million questions about a basic pattern, like to sit down and do it for like a full a full wing, like full feather, like full built wing fly, it would take multiple sets sets like sittings. But just to get through like your typical feather wing and you and you you're not sure where to start or whatever, I have zero problem like sitting down and hanging out, showing you thread control and how I do it. That's cool. What what do you I curious, you know, just on doing that so because that takes time, everybody's busy. What why do you why do you do the calls and, and I guess why do you do the you know, the Instagram as well? 
I just I do the calls because when I first started tying like six years ago or seven or seven years ago, whichever it was, it's really hard to pull information from people and kind of interpret on how they do it. It's easier. I'm, I'm more of a visual learner myself, and I don't know how other people learn. So you can read as much as you want, but sometimes you still you still don't understand, and you just need that like guidance visually. So I just want to I just want to help people out and and just tie because the more beautiful flies that are on the internet, the more I want to look at Instagram. That's that's yep. what I do it for, right? So there's nothing okay. better when you have a crappy day at work. You pull up your Instagram account and there's just like a spectacular bug there to, there to stare at, right? So <laughs> it's fun. Yeah, yeah, it gets you fi- it gets you fired up for fishing for sure. It, it does yeah, that for exactly. me too. Yeah, or or motivates you to do your own twist on a bug, right? So. Yeah, totally, totally cool. Well, uh, I'll let you get out here, Ryan. I appreciate you coming on and uh, and sharing some uh, some of your story here and and some of the the good flies and everything you have going. And I'll uh, yeah, I'll check back with you and keep in touch as we uh, head on forward. And and uh, we'll keep we'll keep seeing the the new stuff you have going as we as we head on. So there you go. If you want to find all the show notes with all the links we covered, just go to wetflyswing.com/slash/one-five-three. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Uh, I am helping people get into podcasting at outdoorsonline.co slash SAP for start a podcast. Uh, that'll get you and get you some free stuff so you understand how to get started. And uh, if you want to take it a, a bit further, if you already have a podcast, um, I'm also doing some podcast production. So it'd be great if you reach out to me as well. You can go through that same link and, uh, and get started. That's, uh, that's how we roll here. Thanks again for stopping by today to check out the show. I'm looking forward to catching up with you soon. Hope to maybe see you online or on the river. Thanks for listening to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. For notes and links from this episode, visit wetflyswing.com. And if you found this episode helpful, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes.